Dunk și o vede. Now I know in very deed in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. <coughs> One must be attentive to the little details of the sacred liturgy by means of which the Holy Ghost instructs us in our Catholic faith. Not a word, not a syllable is without significance. And I find it remarkable that Today's Mass begins with, well, first of all, an intro. It's taken not from the Psalms. One might expect to have the intro. It's taken from the Psalms, in which there are so many allusions to the Apostles. But strangely, Today's intro is taken from the Acts of the Apostles. And it is the Apostle St. Luke who relates the words of St. Peter. So you have an evangelist repeating, relating the words of the Prince of the Apostles in the intro. As we cross the threshold into the Holy Mysteries. This is what the Church wants us to hear. And what does St. Peter say? Nunc scio vede. Now, I know truly, or as the translation in Missal puts it, now I know in very deed. Now, you may have already noticed this or discovered it in your Lexio Divina. Tomorrow's introit, tomorrow being, of course, the commemoration of St. Paul. So today we have Saints Peter and Paul, and tomorrow the commemoration of St. Paul the Apostle. And how will tomorrow's introit begin? Again, not from the Psalms, but from the Apostle's second epistle to Timothy. And what will the Apostle say in tomorrow's intro? It Shio cui credidi et certus sum. I know whom I have believed, and I am certain text goes on, that he is able to keep that which I have committed to him. So, St. Peter today and St. Paul tomorrow say, Shio, I know. What kind of knowing is this? Is this some kind of Gnostic affirmation? secrets to the mysteries. I think rather we have to hear this shield in the mouths of both apostles 
as a remarkable, almost ecstatic exclamation in the light of glory of what they perceive. I know, I see, now it all comes together. Now it all has meaning for me. And this I transmit to you. The apostles transmit their certainty, the capacity, no, the obligation to say shio, I know, to all their successors down through the ages. What do we want to hear from the mouths of the successors of the apostles except this one word, shio? Now I know, I see, it's all become wonderfully clear in the light of the apostles of divine revelation and of divine glory, the lumen gloriae, St. Thomas would say. And for us, it's all clear, it's all coherent. We know by the light of revelation and by the light of faith. So that each of us can say in echo after the apostles and after the successors of the apostles, Ashio, I know, I get it. This is the truth upon which I am staking my life. Now, apart from that, there's something very interesting in the collect of the day. Oh, there's always something wonderful in the collect. So we pray, Deus qui hodiernam diem apostolorum tuorum vetri et pauli martirio consecrasti. All right, God has consecrated this day with the martyrdom of his apostles, Peter and Paul. And then we come to the punchline of the collect. Da, Ecclesia Tue. Give thy church to follow in all things the precepts, the teachings really, of those from whom she, the church, first received the faith. The translation is inadequate because the Latin says, per quos religionis sum sit exordium. What is this exordium religionis? What is this about? Well, exordium is a lovely word because it, it, it has something that suggests a kind of dawning, doesn't it? You have that, that notion in the word exordium of, of a sunrise, of the beginning of the new day. It's, it means beginning, but it has the sense of the rising sun in it. At least that's what I, that's what I hear. So it has to do with the dawning of our faith, but the Latin text does not say faith. It says religionis exhortium. This word religion gets a very bad press, especially here in Ireland. 
when people refer to religion now, it's generally in a very negative way, something oppressive, something that keeps one from being oneself, from expressing oneself. Religion is seen as being somehow inhibiting, dark, a burden, something to be cast off. It's not that at all. If we listen to the angelic doctor, religio has such a wonderful, liberating, luminous meaning. St. Thomas says, well, he gives many explanations, actually, of the word religion. But among them, he says that religio, he, he would have it derived, and he gives his references, he would have it derived from uh, the idea of reading over again. You may find that somewhat fanciful in terms of the etymology, but St. Thomas holds to it. Uh, religio, Legere, uh, to read over again. Well, there's something to it on this feast of the apostles Peter and Paul. Because the two apostles who say in chorus, Shio, I know, they are able to say this, I know, because in the light of faith, in the light of the risen Christ, <clears throat> that for 40 days was symbolized by the Paschal candle on the gospel side of the altar. That means that we read all of sacred history in the light of the risen Christ. The apostles, in the light of faith, were able to read accurately the whole sweep of salvation history and then transmit the fruit of that accurate reading to the church. So religio has that meaning there. And the successors of the apostles transmit from one generation to the next this reading of history, and in particular of sacred history, in the light of faith. It makes it all coherent. It pulls it all together. It, it illuminates all of history. So you have that. <coughs> of course, for the Romans, religio held the state together, didn't it? Religio is what gave uh, cohesion to uh, public life, creating a structure and bonds by which citizens would practice pietas, that wonderful Roman virtue of uh, carrying out one's duty in a devoted way. Pietas is devotedness in the sense of carrying out one's duty in a devoted way. So it made for uh, a stable, mm, a stable political entity, a stable society. Yes, we take this meaning of religio also. Because we've received from the apostles a way to read all of history, 
That inspired reading of history in the light of faith gives us truths that hold society together today, at least the society of the church. We know that the society of this country is no longer held together by the religio, in spite of our constitution beginning gloriously with the confession of the Most Holy Trinity. But we, sons and daughters of the Apostles, are bound to one another by the religio received from the Apostles. This is what holds the Church together. This is what cements her unity. This is what establishes the members of the mystical body of Christ in relationship one to the other. So we have that. But there's another meaning of religio. And to me, this is the chief meaning. It is the meaning to which all the others are ordered, if you will. And I think St. Thomas indicates this. The highest expression of religio is sacrifice. Sacrifice. If we appropriate a third meaning of religio, that suggests the binding of man to God and God to man in a covenant, in a covenant sealed and expressed in sacrifice, that's religio. That's religio. This third meaning of the word is inseparable from sacrifice. So this is not merely a way of reading history. It's not merely the uh, duties that bind us uh, together in the mystical body of Christ. It is that by which the whole body of Christ is bound to its head and with the head bound to the Father in the unity of the Holy Ghost. So that the daily actualization of apostolic religio is the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass. It is the Mass that holds life together by binding us to God and God to us. Was it not St. John Fisher who said that if, God forbid, the holy sacrifice of the Mass should cease, if the holy sacrifice should no longer be offered it would be no less a catastrophe than if the sun were to be extinguished in the firmament. It is the mass that holds us together. The religionis exordium of the collect
is renewed daily at the altar. Daily in the holy sacrifice of the Mass, it all begins again for you and for me. It all begins afresh. The apostles are called princes in the verse from Psalm 44 that is repeated in the Liturgy of the Apostles. You will have heard it already in the gradual. Constitues eus principes super omnem terram. Well, we think, of course, the apostles are princes in that they are charged with ruling the members of the body of Christ, the church. But again in that word, that constitues eus principes, uh, they are those who give a new beginning, a principle, I want to say, uh, a fresh start to the whole economy of grace by carrying out faithfully that commandment of our Lord spoken in the Senegal on the night before he suffered, hoc facite in iam commemorationem, do ye this in memory of me. So long as the priests of the church continue to obey this commandment of the Lord, they are in some wise princes giving day after day new life to the church, transmitting that reading of all of history, of all of reality, that uh, is uh, our inheritance, our apostolic inheritance. By offering the holy sacrifice, we are bound to one another, and by the holy sacrifice, bound to God and God to us. And in that lies all our hope. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.